0: Today, I am having an enlightening conversation with financial planner, Dr. Constance Craig Mason about mastering the fundamentals of financial planning. Welcome to the Empowerment Zone with Ramona Houston, where we zone in on Black and Brown relations and our journey to empowering our communities. According to Constance, all of us must be intentional about building wealth in order to create the life we want for ourselves and our families and financial well-being. Constance is CEO of Concierge Financial Advisory and an investment advisor representative at Forthright Capital Partners. Enjoy our conversation and see show notes for more information about Constance. As always, please subscribe to the Empowerment Zone podcast and give us a rating on Apple Podcast. Your support will ensure that we continue our journey in empowerment and impact. Thank you. Here at the Empowerment Zone, we look at the empowerment of individuals and communities from a holistic perspective. And as many of you know, who are my listeners, uh, financial empowerment is very much a part of that conversation. I'm happy to have Constance Craig Mason with us today. She is a financial planner and she's all about empowering our communities, particularly BIPOC communities and families, as well as entrepreneurs, with the tools they need to become financially literate. Uh, Welcome, uh, Constance, to the Empowerment Zone. How are you today?
1: Thank you for having me. I am great, Dr. Houston.
0: Thank you. Please call me Ramona. Uh, I am happy to have you on the show. Uh, You came highly advised by one of our uh, uh, mutual friends. And uh, as I stated, I am really, really, really passionate about financial empowerment. You know, I have a PhD and I went through 12 years of college. And when I got out and decided to buy my first home, I knew very, very little about (laughs) purchasing my first home. I was so upset that I could go through all through college and not uh, learn about the basics of home ownership and how to purchase our own home. So that really, really uh, inspired me to be more conscious about financial literacy. I knew the basics from growing up with my family. My uh, parents were big on teaching us how to save. Uh, One Mm. of my first memories growing up was my mom taking me to the credit union and giving depositing two dollars every month into my account and the, the, the people at the desk were always uh the tellers at the desk were always so happy and intrigued and they just got a big kick out of it and i never understood it until later in life that they were saying hey this parent is empowering uh her children to about saving and understanding budget so i knew the basics but not uh really literate about um Uh, the other things involved in financial literacy so you know you are a financial planner and have advised people on making good decisions financially Mm. Um, so before we get into that great conversation can you tell us a little bit about yourself personally and professionally and then tell us how did you become a financial planner what was your professional trajectory
1: Thank you, Ramona. I am what I call a unicorn in my space. I'm a licensed investment advisor, financial planner, and insurance broker. And oftentimes I find that I am in rooms during continuing education coursework or just networking with my peers. And I find that I am one of maybe two or three people of color in the room. And I often say it gets uncomfortable sometimes, but I push forward because I know that in order for me to grow as a professional and also as a wife, a mom, and yes, a grandmother, I have to go into these spaces. I have to trailblaze and learn for myself what it is to be a strong empowered entrepreneur a black woman in the entrepreneur space and i go in there to gather up the knowledge to bring back to the BIPOC community so that they can then get the layman's terms to be able to get digestible bits of information that they can apply. I didn't get into this field in the traditional sense. I know, you know, a lot of my peers have gone through college and gone and gotten a degree in accounting or finance and things of that nature. Um, I did not go that direction. I actually had a career in healthcare prior to getting into finance. And I always was someone who was a um, how do you say a geek? I was always curious about numbers. Um, I didn't know how it would apply to my life, however. But I was someone who loved to dig into contracts and, and and insurance policies and that kind of thing. And so, by working in the healthcare field, I often would come across patients who would be unfamiliar with their policies. And when they would come to be seen, you know, sometimes they were uncomfortable, had something going on medically. And when my staff, because I was a a manager at the time, they would try to tell them about their co pays or their deductibles and things of that. And, you know, it would be uncomfortable at the front desk trying to explain to someone, okay, here's why you have to pay this. And, you know, here's what your insurance company told us. And then the patients would sometimes get unnerved because they just want to be seen, they want to be taken care of. And so they would send them back to me. They'd be like, Go see Constance. <laughs> She'll explain it all and you'll get a good idea of what you actually have in place. And I got a kick out of it. You know, I never thought that, okay, this disgruntled patient is now coming to me and now I have to fix the situation. I seize the opportunity to educate them. On their particular health insurance policy, because I was the one who had verified the benefits and I made the notes. And so I didn't think that that was like a skill set. I didn't think that this was like me pouring into this uh, patient who now understood how their policy worked and that they could still be seen and navigate that. But I was working in healthcare when a good girlfriend of mine was like, listen, I've seen you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps having grown up in the inner city of Baltimore in poverty to a young single mom. And she's like, everything you learn, you apply and you see the results and you get so super excited about it that you can't shut up about telling other people what it is that you've learned or what truths you've learned. And she's like, you know, you know, you can get into this profession and finance. And I was like, no, you know, I wasn't thinking about it that way. And she was like, "No, you'd be so grateful for it because you have a passion for people. You know, you do this all the time. You love learning new things." And it took her nearly seven years to get me to say, "Okay, let me go and see what you're talking about." Because I was a single mom for quite some time, and I didn't have childcare outside of my regular day-to-day, you know, job nine to five. And so once I did get married, she circles right back and she's (laughs) like, you have help now. I know that you can come and see what this is about. And so what she was referring to was for me to go to a um, informational session where they would teach me how to get licensed and insurance and become a financial coach. And I never forget, it was January 1st, 2009. I remember because I was off that day, so I didn't have an excuse not to go and i went and my eyes were so super like widened about not just learning about insurance and coaching but same thing i was doing in the healthcare field with these patients looking at their policies and explaining it to them in layman's terms i learned how to do that with mortgage documents right i learned how to do it with credit card statements and these are everyday documents that people get in the mail and just chuck it off as okay i'll just pay this amount per month but like really digging into it and seeing what is this interest rate? What does this mean? And what does it mean if I pay just the minimum? And, you know, what, what do it mean if I have a prepayment penalty? And like all of these things I didn't know prior to coming into that experience. And so I was like, wow, I can empower myself financially Mm -hmm. and I can then empower other people simultaneously because I didn't have that growing up. Like you talked about your mom modeling before you, not just to tell you to save, but to take you to the place and actually do it with you. That's amazing. I didn't have that growing up. And so everything that I had to Google and then figure out on my own, I wanted to make it easier for people to not have to do that, right? That they could see someone sitting across from them that looks like them, that speaks their language, that's breaking it down in ways that they understand it now. And then they can go apply it and celebrate their wins as they go. So it was really, really important for me to learn it for myself, model it before my own children, because I had young children at the time, and to then be able to share amongst those entrepreneurs like myself who was new to entrepreneurship that you can do this. It doesn't matter how you start. It doesn't matter that you know someone didn't set you up to win. Maybe they didn't know how, but now you get to shift that for your generation and generations to come.
0: You know, talking about the importance of not only just teaching, but applying the knowledge you teach uh, is so important um, in that individuals can take what they've learned and actually use it. A lot of times we take time to learn, but don't actually apply that information Mm -hmm. to our own lives. So I'm really curious why you think, you know, everybody has their opinion, why you think financial literacy is so important and why um, people of color, BIPOC communities
1: are not financially literate. Mm. You know, I'll use my own family as an example. So my mom had two little girls, myself and my sister, by the time she was 17. And when you think about that, that is a teenager, (laughs) who is now a mom, and what do our teenagers really know about money, about life, about relationships, about parenting, right? But she had to figure it out on her way, and I always saw her as someone who was diligent, you know, who was eager, wanted to learn, wanted to grow, but you can't teach what you don't know yourself. And so I've never like looked at my mom and said, you know, oh, we live this way because of that. But I do now that I'm an adult and have been in this field, I understand that there is a correlation between being illiterate about money and how you live your life on a daily basis and then what your children are seeing and that they repeat that they repeat. Right. And so oftentimes my mom taught us, you know, how to pinch a penny, as they say. And then if you thought about it as a life skill, you would be like, oh, that's budgeting. That's really budgeting. But it's like, wow, there was never anything left over. After she took care of the necessities, there was no conversations about how to invest, like uh, how to get your first home. I heard you say that you were college educated, but you did not know uh, the basics about how to use leverage or credit to your benefit. And it's like we didn't have those conversations on a daily basis, but she did encourage us to learn to grow. She would say, be better than me, go farther than me. And we're looking at her like, mom, what's better than you?
0: <laughs> you know? What do you
1: mean by this? But I now, as a mom and now a grandma myself, I understand what she meant. Just continue to learn and grow. Don't ever stop being a student of learning. And I'm very curious, you know, if there's something that I don't understand, I will Google it. I will go to the source or the source of that particular um, element that I'm trying to learn because I feel like sometimes we're behind the eight ball and that we didn't learn the jargon. We didn't learn how it works, but also we didn't see it modeled before us. And that's not every family, of course, but there are many families. And me being almost 15 years into this field, I can tell you I've seen families, individuals, and small business owners who, when I break down the basics or financial fundamentals, they're like, I wish I knew this years ago. Oh my goodness. Is it really that simple or you know we we think about the 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 element of having money, we think about the element of time, we think about how those two can work together in our benefit or can work against us. And when we think about how simple some of these financial fundamentals are, the thing about it is if we had learned it early on, we could be better off. And then once we learn it, can we be consistent enough to see it through so that we can create that generational wealth that we hear about that maybe we have yet to experience. And so I'm a first generation entrepreneur. And so there are things that I had to figure out or wing it until I got around some people uh, who knew more than I did in the space and who thought it not robbery to pour into me and say, I see what you're doing. If you just pivot, if you just do this, if you just do that. And like you said, applying that knowledge that these mentors or these coaches or these advisors have poured into me, I find that now I'm in a space where I get to be that leader and I get to be that person who has seen the side of being illiterate, who has also seen the side of applying little bits of knowledge as you go, and now being on the side of being a licensed financial professional who Has privy who are privy to much more knowledge than the average Joe, but being able to spit it out in digestible bits so that the people that I'm around don't feel judged, they don't feel uh, made fun of, they don't feel like you know you're 20 steps ahead of them and they've got so much to learn. You know, I, I challenge people to celebrate every win, to celebrate every new thing that you learn and that you apply, because. I I don't have my pom-poms right here, but I normally have pom-poms because I'm, listen, I'm your (laughs) cheerleader. You know, I'm the main person in your corner that's saying, I've had people literally texting me this week saying, I paid myself first for the first time. And you would think that that's just common. And it's like, no, you work hard, you make this money, you get these clients and it goes right out the door. Mm -hmm. And you don't even think that I'm the practitioner in this business, I should get paid. But you don't feel like you're getting paid because you're sending it out the door to the expenses or to the creditors. And you're like, listen, what is this all for? I believe that you should be able to enjoy your life along the way. And so there is no, oh, when I retire at age 70. Well, or retirement is really an amount of money. And how quickly can you arrive to that amount of money so that you can enjoy the life while you still have health and breath in your body and while your kids and grandkids are here to enjoy it with you. And so I am a firm believer that we can start right here, wherever your position is, understand what your position is so that you know when you hit that next level, you can celebrate that.
0: Love it. So, you know, you talk about the importance of learning, that we all have to be intentional about learning fundamentals about in financial empowerment so for people out there who are beginners and in their imme- uh, intermediate stages of financial empowerment can you give us some steps that they can take to become financially literate like where do they need to look what books do they need to read what do they need to do to educate themselves about uh,
1: finance. You know there are a lot of nonprofit organizations that are readily available online. Um, I can think of two off the top of my head as it relates to money. Um, one the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Um, there, there's an F, uh, the initials are CFPB. so Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. and that website is amazing because it talks about financial well-being. And I don't hear that as often as I should. And when we think about defining financial well-being, it literally is a state of being where you are confident or not about being able to handle your financial obligations currently, but also your future obligations, and also being able to enjoy life along the way, just kind of like what I said earlier. So, it's like your confidence level as it relates to money. Do you have the financial capacity to handle your current expenses, your creditors, that kind of thing? And are you able to handle your money in a way that reflects your literacy, right? So, understanding how money works, just the basics, and then taking your capacity, your resources, your income, your revenue and applying it in a way that makes sense for your now and for your future. And while you are doing that, be able to model before your family the enjoyment element of it. So it's not just work, 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 and save, 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 and and then latter days is when I can enjoy it. Or you spend everything that you get now, and you have nothing for your future. So CFPB, they actually have a website that One, allows you to understand money better and not get caught up in, you know, identity theft, fraudulent activities. It really um, helps you to understand what to look for in financial advisors or practitioners that you come across. Um, It defines a lot of financial jargon for you, breaks it down. They even have a lot of um, really easy to read workbooks that you can actually have mailed to your home as it relates to savings. Uh, expenses, debt, and creditors. And then, of course, they have, you know, for professionals on the professional side, we actually can get access to um, workbooks and things that we can use at workshops and seminars. So it's not like, you know, we're giving you a sales presentation. We're giving you an educational presentation. So CFPV is one great source for information. Um, I'm also a licensed insurance agent. So there are a lot of times we don't understand what insurance is for, how it works, how it applies to your life, living and deceased. Um, And so lifehappens.org is a great website to go to. Um, They're another um, nonprofit institution that kind of focuses in on literacy around insurance and what it all does. And that includes your supplemental insurance policies as well. So when I think of you know, using the internet to our benefit, you know, if there's any particular element of money that you're concerned about, whether it's investing or homeownership or credit scores, things of that, Google is my friend. It was my friend (laughs) when I got out of high school when they created that thing. And it continues to be my friend because there's a wealth of knowledge out there and it can be overwhelming when you think about it. You plug something in and there's pages and pages of data. But usually on that first page, you can get one or two good sites that you can go to, whether they're articles written, whether they're um, nonprofit institutions, like I just mentioned, or even financial advisors who create content that they put out there for you to absorb. So I would say um, Google is your friend, you know, and then if you have family members, you might not think so, but there are some family members who are living life the way that they choose on their terms, And I always reference my great aunt, Marlene. Um, She lived in Chicago when I was a little girl. This is my mother's aunt. And she sent round trip airline tickets for my sister and I to come visit her from Baltimore um, to Chicago. And why that's a significant story is because we grew up in poverty. We were witnessing a lot of traumatic things as little kids. And she sent the tickets for us and my mom. But my mom was terrified of getting on a plane. And so she was like, I'm not going, but she did not stop us from going. She said, listen, y'all go and visit auntie and let me know how it goes. And so we get on this plane, unaccompanied minors. We we're terrified too, but we we went anyway. And we go to Chicago and my great aunt, she showed us all these black museums. She, she showed us her beautiful condo, which I didn't even know what that was, right? Because I lived in the inner city in a very small little house. And she showed us her condo. She rode us around in her um, Cadillac. That thing, it seemed like it was riding on clouds. I had never even been in anything like that. But this is the lifestyle that she was living. And now when I think about it, it wasn't extravagant but it was just the way she chose to live. Now she worked in corporate, right? And she had a career in human resources. So she had pretty consistent income, you know, her kids were older, she was living a life that she wanted to live. And we, it was very, a very stark difference from what we saw in the inner city growing up where we were. But I said all that to say is that exposure is important. Modeling is important. And so when we got on that plane, we didn't know what we were going to see or experience, but we knew we were gonna see our auntie. And she's 85 today and still alive to see me and my sister uh, walk the the road of entrepreneurship, but she chose to do it in the corporate space, right? But she still inspired us to be able to say, yes, she's a woman of color. She can live the life she wants. She can choose the career she wants. And she can think it not robbery to, to, to show, you know, her lifestyle to two little girls who would have otherwise never seen that kind of living, right? Where a woman is choosing her career options. A woman is showing how she chooses to live, right? And so I say that because we too get to do that for kids in our midst, whether they're our own biological children, whether they're our nieces and nephews, whether they're neighbors, you know, people are watching whether you realize it or not. And just by living your life in the way that you choose to live it, especially if it's positive, you don't have any idea who's watching that and who's being empowered by that. And so I choose to live out loud. And so I'm pretty active on social media, not, you know, just showing, you know, me as a wife, mom, grandma, I show those things, but I also show how I'm investing in myself, continuing to learn and grow, getting around peers in finance, as well as peers in entrepreneurship, and just pooling our resources and our talents together so that we can show unity in this space. And we can show that, yes, if you want to create impact, you could do it alone, but you could also do it with other people. I love that African proverb that goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with others. And that's something that's really dear to my heart. Last few years, I've been doing a lot of projects together collaboratively with um, Black and Indigenous people, whether they're entrepreneurs or professionals. And we've been doing some amazing things as it relates to opening people's eyes to the options that they have in life still even with the pandemic, still, even with the uncertainties of what's happening in our government, you know, you can still do things positively to affect your own household, to affect your community, and yes, the world, thank God, we have social media, we can link up with people internationally, and still get some things done.
0: Yes, I totally agree, exposure is so important, because you cannot be what you cannot see, and just you talking about your, your great aunt and how she imp- inspired you and opened your eyes to the possibilities, yes. right? And yep. that she served as an example to you in your life on, hey, I can live the quality of lifestyle that mm-hmm. I want and that I can enjoy it now and not yes. um, wait until some time, indefinite time in the future. Right. Right. So, you know, when you look uh, at financial empowerment, we talked about the importance of education and being financially literate, but there are also some key strategies that individuals can take as well as entrepreneurs can take to um, be financially empowered. And mm-hmm. well, can you share, I know it's a million strategies, right? Yes. <laughs> but can yes. you share with our audience what strategies, and, and can you talk both as uh, to the individual and to entrepreneurs about what strategies should they employ right now, today, mm-hmm. in order to
1: become financially empowered? Well, the first thing I would say is to, as we become more self-aware, right, of ourselves, our physical, mental, um, emotional well-being, our financial well-being is important also. And part of financial well-being is the financial literacy element. So I would say, if there is any part of your um, money habits that you feel disgruntled about, you're you're uncomfortable with, you're you're not, you know, doing the things that you feel like maybe you should be doing. Then, yes, seek out some financial literacy and then begin to look at your numbers. Look at your numbers. And when I say numbers, I'm talking about cash flow, right? So, cash flow is where options live. <laughs> cash flow is where options live because, yes, if you're fortunate enough to earn a living, right? Whether that's salary, commissioned, entrepreneurship, however, what we are doing with that money on a monthly, even daily basis, I would say, is a re- direct reflection of how we understand about money and our triggers and traumas. People do not tie in our emotional well being with how we spend, how we save, if we do those things, and what do we have left over at the end of the month, right? Some people have more month than money, as they say, but you can either fix that by either managing the money better or earning more money or both which is what I recommend earn more money and manage it better because that creates the cash flow that's left over and when you have that cash flow that creates options now you get to choose what will you do with that cash flow that's going to accelerate your lifestyle accelerate your legacy com- commit something to improve your community or the world thereof you know that's where the cash flow is right So I encourage people to look at their last 90 days of activities, the last 90 days of your bank statements, last 90 days of your credit card statements, because we want to get an overall average of what you typically do, not just one month, but a few months. What you typically do with the resources that you have. And to see on average how much you have left over, because that amount of money is what you can tell your coach, your advisor, or your insurance agent, or whomever, and say, I know for certain that based on what I bring in and what I have to pay, even my minimal credit card payments, you know, I have about 600 left over, or I have 2000 left over, whatever it is, right? And then once you begin to see, What's left over and what you're doing, if any things that you're doing are not beneficial, meaning you're overpaying in insurance premiums or you're eating out too often, or maybe you are underinsured in some way, right? You have assets that are unprotected or your income is unprotected. Instead of saying, well, I don't know what to do, that cash flow is now what positions you to say, How do I protect my assets and income better? I have the resources to do that. So you can't tell someone, oh, I need this and that product and this service, and I wanna invest this amount of money if you don't know what you have coming in. So that would be the first thing. The other thing would be also to, to get into the market. I know a lot of times people are afraid of the fluctuations that happen in the market or volatility that they see. And they're like, I I can't afford to lose money. That's a real thing. You know, if I put it in this account, I want to make sure that it's still there next month or in the next few months. And we cannot predict what the market is going to do. But we do know historically, since the index, the S&P index has been created in 1957, that the average rate of return is over 10%. So when we think about the time that we're missing out on being afraid, and not being in the market in some capacity. So it could be through your 401k plan at work or your IRA that you got outside of work. It doesn't really matter the vehicle that you use, but you need to be in the market to reap the capital gains that comes along with investing consistently over time. So I would say to, you know, get with an investment advisor who can help you understand how the market works, right generally speaking. And then, if you don't feel like you can afford an advisor per se, they have something called robo-advising, where you can go online and create an account of your own, whether it's a brokerage account or even a retirement account, depending on which one, and they'll let you create an account, you'll answer a few questions about your financial circumstances, when your time horizon for needing that money is, you know, they'll ask you some risk tolerance questions about how you feel about losing money, gaining money. And it will use an algorithm to create not only your risk tolerance, but also the allocations in which your money would be put towards. So if you now know how much cash flow you have at the end of every month, and you now know that you want to try your hand at investing, and you have this robo advisor who's created the whole allocation for you you just need to be consistent with the amounts of money that goes into that particular account so you can DIY with the robo advisor or you can get an advisor an investment advisor like myself who can like personalize it even better for you but the point is please get into the market in some way shape or form because that is the money that is growing while you're sleeping while you're vacationing while you're working while you're supporting others that is the money that is doing way more work than we could ever work for on our own. So we need to put money in the market and allow the the time and consistency to to help us out in that regard.
0: So if you could give uh, African-Americans, Latinos and the BIPOC community one piece of advice in terms of becoming financially empowered, what would that be?
1: Mm, one piece of advice. I would say to choose the life that you want to live and then add the people to your life that are going to help you to get there. Choose the life that you want to live because that means that you're being intentional about yourself. You're not just saying, I'm here. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what. You know, what kind of things I want to, my name or how they say the dash. I don't want, I don't know what I want my dash to represent. When you get to be intentional, you get to chart the course. We didn't ask you how you were going to get there. We didn't ask you when you were going to arrive there. We just said be intentional and be clear about the life you want to have, whether it's family related, business related, income related, whatever. And then once you set that intention, the people, the resources, the how will come. I am a firm believer in that. I have not been able to be in this field for nearly 15 years by myself, but I was very intentional about wanting to improve my life so that my children and my children's children could have someone like Auntie Marlene, who they could say, wow, if she could do it, coming from nothing, literally coming from nothing then I can do it too. And so we don't tell you to live someone else's lifestyle. We want you to live yours. But that means that you have to sit down with yourself and figure out how you want it to be. And if you're living a great life, that's awesome, right? But then is there any more? I have this acronym for more. And it means creating more memories, living so that you can have great opportunities. Getting with other people and building amazing relationships. And then having experiences that you and those around you can enjoy. And those seem like intangibles, right? Because it's not a product or a service or asset, you know, anything like that. It's really about the lifestyle more memories, more opportunities, great relationships, experiences. You know, that's what people come to your homegoing service, if that's what you believe in, that's what they come to the homegoing service to talk about, is those memories that you created together, opportunities that you experienced and that you gave other people. They share about the experiences that you had together. They share about the great relationships that you all have built along the way. And so when I'm thinking about the advice, it's really to figure out what more means to you. And then the people, the resources, they come when you're clear.
0: A special thank you to the incredible team of the Empowerment Zone Terry on Gully, theme song, NADWORKS, digital support, and of course, our featured guest.